This is Dr. Jimmy Nichols, equine nutritionist. On this podcast, we will explore unique cases, debunk popular myths, and break down advanced research data. Join me for a little fun, a lot of science, and some real-world advice for feeding horses. Hey everyone, it's Dr. Jimmy. Thanks for joining us on episode seven, which we will be focusing on refeeding a starved horse. Um, Most of the time when we think about unwanted horses, um, we're thinking of those that are no longer wanted by their current owner. So maybe they are old, maybe they are injured or sick, um, maybe they're just flat unmanageable and the owner can't deal with them. Um, Maybe they just simply fail to meet the owner's expectations or the owner simply can't afford to continue uh, caring for them. So I think the unwanted horse is kind of the first thing that comes to mind when we when we talk about or when we mention, you know, starved horses. Uh, But keep in mind, horses can become starved for a variety of reasons. And not all of those starved horses are actually unwanted horses. I mean, there are certain situations um, where maybe the owners uh, out there that have these horses just, I mean, they really badly desire to own them, but are unfit. So maybe they are mentally unfit. uh, Maybe they're financially unfit. Or maybe they just simply don't um, have a basic understanding of equine husbandry or they're just essentially they're ignorant to what a horse needs in order to live a healthy life. So horses can also be starved uh, for other reasons. I mean, there can be physical conditions that uh, cause their, their poor body weight or it could even be related to herd dynamics. So I've certainly seen situations where one particular horse is constantly chased off from the hay or the feed source by a more dominant horse. And so if they're not in a pasture or a situation where they can get away and still be able to eat, uh, those horses really can become severely malnourished, uh, really without the horse owner even knowing it because they just assume that that horse is getting the hay or the feed that's being offered to the rest of the group. So I guess if maybe if you're listening to this because you've recently acquired uh, or maybe you plan on rescuing a severely malnourished horse, um, you know, just I want you to understand that rehabbing that horse can be challenging. It can be very time consuming, but it can also be just an absolutely incredibly rewarding experience. So let's um, let's talk about kind of the safest ways to reintroduce nutrition and then address some of the other factors that you're going to want to consider uh, when you are trying to refeed a starved horse. So first, uh, maybe it would be a good idea for us to walk through exactly, you know, how the body gets to that point of starvation to begin with. Um, Essentially, when a horse is not taking in adequate amounts of nutrition, um, it starts to use glycogen and fat stores as the energy sources. So those glycogen stores, um, it uses those first, and those will last for about 24 to 36 hours. Okay, so really a very short supply of glycogen uh, before that actually becomes depleted. And then after that, the horse uh, really has to kind of rely on and utilize his fat stores. However, uh, you know, once fat stores are depleted, um, the body then begins a process called gluconeogenesis. Okay, so that's a really long word, but basically what it means is the body will actually start to break down 
uh, proteins in order to produce glucose to be used then for energy. So, um, you know, essentially every tissue within the body is comprised of proteins. So it's not just the muscles that are broken down. And I think that's what, you know, a lot of people think of when they think of protein in the body, they think muscles. But protein in this situation will also be scavenged from, you know, other from vital tissues. So think about the intestinal tract, the heart, you know, just all kinds of, of essential organs that that the body has um, that are made up by proteins. So in general, um, you know, if a horse is completely deprived of food, I mean, has absolutely no access to any kind of food, um, that horse will lose about 40% of its body weight in as little as 60 to 90 days, okay? But, um, you know, most starved horses get to the point of being starved, not from complete deprivation of food, but really more from just simply receiving an insufficient diet um, over an extended period of time. So, you know, maybe three, four, five, several months. Okay. So uh, as a general rule, when a horse loses about 40% of his body weight, um, he's going to have, he'll, he'll start to have a difficult time even be able, being able to hold up his own body weight. So he becomes recumbent, which is the scientific word that just basically means that horse is going to lay down and he's not going to be able to stand up. So when a horse, um, you know, so that's at 70% loss of body weight. If a horse gets to 50% loss of his body weight, uh, the prognosis for survival is just um, not good at all. Very, it's, it's extremely poor. Uh, so, you know, you certainly don't want to see a horse get to the point where they're losing, you know, half of their body weight. Um, so starvation, you know, in a horse, basically starvation is going to cause, you know, a handful of, of things. So, uh, muscle wastage is probably the biggest one that we think about and can see visually, uh, just general weakness of the body. Okay. Um, hypothermia is another one, um, you know, decreases in the gastrointestinal function, um, the inability to heal wounds. So particularly, you know, I mean, if you do have a horse that ends up going recumbent or lays down and can't, can't get up, um, you know, that horse can develop sores, which are then going to be even more difficult for that horse to be able to heal. Um, and then, you know, uh, along with the hypothermia um, situation, you know, that horse is not going to be able to tolerate cold weather. So if you are in cold climates, um, that, you know, a horse being starved or, or severely malnourished is just going to exacerbate um, their ability to, or their susceptibility to the cold. Um, and then, of course, the immune system is going to become severely compromised uh, in a malnourished horse. Um, you know, I think pregnant mares, um, you know, pregnant mares, nursing foals, um, horses with really heavy parasite loads, all of those situations, um, those horses are just going to become even more compromised than what we would normally think. So, you know, starvation, um, it really impacts the GI tract, the gastrointestinal system. Um, so basically what happens without food, the intestines will actually start to um, undergo physical changes. And it, it, those changes reduce their ability to actually be able to absorb nutrition. So um, in addition, the beneficial bacteria that live in the gut are also going to become impacted. So 
those gut bacteria, the protozoa that live within the gut, um, they play a really essential role in fermenting forages and other feedstuffs. And they basically their task is to turn fiber into energy for the horse, okay? Then on top of that, um, the gut becomes less efficient at secreting digestive enzymes. So we're losing the ability of the microbiome, okay? The, we're losing the ability to secrete digestive enzymes. And those enzymes are needed in order for the horse to be able to properly break down nutrients in order to actually be absorbed. So for all of those reasons, um, digestibility or absorbability of the feed that the horse is able to eat is severely reduced, okay? So refeeding has to occur gradually uh, in order to allow the gut microflora to readapt to the feed and really be able to recover their normal functions. So first and foremost, have a thorough evaluation conducted by your veterinarian and have blood drawn to determine if there is A, an underlying condition causing the extreme weight loss, or B, if there is possible organ failure. So from there, you can then take the best course of action moving forward, um, and you can determine that with your veterinarian. So just keep in mind, when you are feeding a severely uh, malnourished horse, it's really important to remember that getting this horse back to good health and weight is a marathon, okay? It is not a sprint, and it requires a lot of time and a lot of dedication to do it safely. So some of the first things that people uh, want to do is go right away to getting dental work done. They wanna go right away to deworming and they wanna go right away to offering high quality forage and feed. Well, I mean, these are all really important elements for achieving weight gain and we've gotta get there, but they need to be done carefully and they need to be done over the course of several months so that you don't cause further stress to the animal. So there's actually a condition called refeeding syndrome, which uh, this can occur if a horse is fed too much too quickly. So the basis for this system is, you know, or for the, the basis for this syndrome is that, you know, by if you oversupply nutrition, so if you provide too much good quality nutrition to a malnourished horse, that will actually cause the horse harm. And when I say harm, I'm talking about things like heart failure, respiratory failure, kidney failure, and ultimately even death, okay? So refeeding syndrome, um, it happens in horses. It actually also happens in humans, okay? So it's characterized by uh, three main things, okay? So I'm going to throw some big words at you, okay? Hypophosphatemia, hypokalemia, and hypomagnesemia, Okay, those are big words, <laughs> but if you break them down, um, the word hypo means low, okay? And then the second part of each of those three words is just referencing an electrolyte, okay? So we have low phosphate, low potassium, and low magnesium. When I say low, I'm just basically, uh, that just means low circulating levels within the blood, okay? So what happens in refeeding syndrome is basically um, if you take large amounts of feed, so particularly those that are high in soluble carbohydrates, okay, so like 
high starch, high sugar in particular, if you introduce a large amount of those to the horse, it's going to create a spike in glucose, which then creates a release of insulin. Okay, the insulin is going to prevent the release of free fatty acids, and it's gonna cause an influx of glucose and electrolytes to move into the cells. Okay, when you've got too much glucose and electrolytes moving into the cells, that leaves the serum concentration severely depleted, okay? So when there's a depletion of energy or ATP, this results in uh, basically red blood cell dysfunction, okay? So it creates a situation where oxygen cannot be released into the tissues, okay? So I use the word ATP. So that, that, that stands for adenosine triphosphate, okay? So ATP is... Um, it's kind of referred to as like nature's energy store, okay? ATP is responsible for basically providing energy um, that drives the normal processes of cells, okay? So think of things like, you know, muscle contraction, nerve impulses, and, you know, just all kinds of other normal actions uh, that a cell is supposed to perform. So basically when there's a lack of that ATP, that in turn causes things like heart failure, the respiratory failure, uh, kidney failure, and then may ultimately actually lead to death within that horse. All right, so I'm guessing that you might be a little bit scared at this point and maybe wondering, you know, how many calories or in nutrition terms, how much digestible energy should you begin with, okay? So a good rule of thumb is to base the digestible energy intake on the, on the horse's current body weight, okay? Not his optimal body weight, okay? And I'm gonna say that again. When you are refeeding a starved horse, you need to, to start out by basing his requirements off of his current body weight, not off of his optimal body weight, okay? So let's take, um, let's take a horse, for example, that should weigh, say, 1,100 pounds, okay? Um, but he's starved down. So his current body weight, let's say he's lost, you know, 30% of his body weight. So he's down to around 770 pounds. Okay. So in order to estimate his calorie needs, uh, you first have to convert his body weight from pounds to kilograms. So there's 2.2 pounds in a kilogram. So basically, uh, you take 770, which is his current weight and you divide that by 2.2. Okay. That gives you a weight of 350 kilograms, okay? So you've got a 350 kilogram horse. Then in order to figure out how much digestible energy in mCALs that horse needs per day, you need to take his weight in kilograms, which is 350, okay? You just multiply that by 0 0.03, okay? That gives you about 10.5 mCALs. Now, most people prefer to think of calories as kcals, Okay, so in order to get from mCALs to kcals, uh, all you have to do is just multiply that 10.5 by 1,000, okay? So that means for this 770-pound um, horse, we need to provide 10,500 calories per day, okay? Now, to provide just a little bit of perspective on what 10,500 kcals looks like, um, Let's let's talk about maybe some average calorie contents of some grass and alfalfa hay. So um, I actually pulled the analysis for the grass hay 
um, that I currently have in my barn right now that I'm feeding to my own horses. Okay, so it tested around um, just a little over 12% crude protein, and it has um, 880 kcals per pound. Now that's on an as-fed basis, not a dry matter basis for any of you nutritionists out there that might be listening. Uh, so to determine how much of this hay you would need to feed, um, or how much of this hay I would feed if I were, say, feeding this example horse myself, um, in order to meet that 10,500 calorie requirement per day, all I'm going to do is take 10,500 divided by 880, okay, because my hay is 880 kcals per pound, okay, so that gives me 12, so that means I would need to feed 12 pounds per day of that grass hay in order to provide 10,500 calories, okay, so keep in mind that that's 12 pounds per day or per 24-hour period. So I would break that in half and I would feed uh, six pounds in the morning and six pounds in the evening. Now, I say that because I have a full-time job and I'm not here to uh, feed you know, at increments, but the more often that you can break those feedings down and feed smaller levels more often, the better off that horse will be. And I'll, I'll walk through an example of that here in just a second. So uh, let's, let's also take a look. I've also got some um, alfalfa in my, in my own barn, okay? So let's, let's say I wanted to um, use that alfalfa to meet his requirements. So that particular hay tested um, a little over 19% crude protein, and the calorie content on it was 1,070 kcals per pound, okay? So again, on an as-fed basis. So basically you do the same math. You take 10,500 divided by the calories, which is 1,070. That gives you 10 pounds per day. So if I were to use this alfalfa to refeed the starved horse that we're using in this example, I would feed 10 pounds per day. So five pounds morning and five pounds evening uh, to get started. So another thing to um, consider when you are reintroducing nutrition to um, a severely malnourished horse is rehydration, okay? So be sure to provide plenty of clean, cool, fresh water, and definitely make sure that the horse has access to plain white salt, okay? If the horse is unwilling to drink water on his own, you are going to have to rely on fluid and electrolyte therapy which you will certainly need um, your veterinarian for. So once the horse is rehydrated and willing to eat, um, slowly start to begin to reintroduce forage, okay? Now, in some cases, the horse may be unwilling to eat forage altogether. Um, and in that situation, you are gonna have to um, have, that horse is gonna have to be fed through an NG tube or a nasogastric tube, uh, which your veterinarian would need to do that. And you'd have to do that for the first few days. So. You know, another thing that um, I typically recommend is in order to help uh, reestablish a healthy microbial population in the gut, okay, so if you think back towards the beginning, um, I had said, you know, that, that the microflora uh, is one of the first things to start to go in a severe situation like this, okay. So for the first 30 days, I like to give um, a probiotic paste split between two doses, so morning and night. Um, and then, um, so the particular paste that I like to use is called ADR paste, okay? Um, it's from Stride Animal Health. And then uh, around day 30, that's about the time where you're going to 
um, that horse is going to start to be consuming a concentrated feed or a grain again. And at that point, you can switch that horse over to a powdered probiotic uh, just for the basic ease of administering. So ADR is available as both a paste and a powder. So it's a really, really good mega prebiotic, mega probiotic um, that can support that GI tract. Um, so for the first week, you want to start um, by feeding one pound of hay every two hours during the day. Okay, so you're going to do approximately six to eight feedings during the day, and then you can feed about four pounds overnight. So that gets you to that 10 to 12 pounds total per day. Okay, so that's what you're doing for the first week. Um, in the second week, uh, that's where you kind of start to slowly increase the amount of forage that you're feeding. So, you you know, a good rule of thumb would be increase that forage by one to two pounds uh, each day during week two. So that means that you would basically be working up to, you know, say 17 to 22 pounds uh, by the time you hit day 14. OK, so after day 14, um, that horse can basically be given, you know, free choice access to forage um, without without too much worry. Um, you know, one one side note, I guess, that I want to make is if you do choose to use alfalfa, uh, generally you, you don't want to feed any more than 50 percent of the hay uh, in alfalfa. OK, so in our particular case study horse here, I mean, if we were going to use uh, the two hays that I have in my own barn, I would do half grass hay and half alfalfa or I would do just all grass hay. OK, and so basically that just helps keep um, the, the nutrients coming from the diet more in line with the actual nutrient needs of the horse. OK. So, all right, let's say um, let's say we've hit 30 days with the horse. Um, or, you know, once that horse is really starting to eat normally and starting to pick up just a little bit of weight, um, that's the point where you can slowly start to introduce a commercial feed. Okay. So when you're, when you're choosing your feed, you want to look for feeds that are high in fiber. Okay. So senior feeds are a really good option. Uh, beet pulp based feeds are a really good option. Okay. So the two that I personally like is uh, Blue Bonnet Feeds. Both are from Blue Bonnet Feeds. So uh, the Intensify Senior Therapy and then the new Equiline Pro Care, which is the beet pulp based. Um, you also want to make sure that you look for feeds that are low in non-structural carbohydrates. OK, so so those NSCs or those non-structural carbohydrates are your starches and your sugars. Um, and then typically I like to, um, since we're looking for feeds that are low in starches and sugars, we've got to get those calories from somewhere. So I like to look for feeds that are higher in fat. Okay. So I like to look at feeds that are, you know, between eight to 12% uh, fat. So those would be your, your cool energy calorie sources that'll help put weight on that horse. Uh, but you don't have to worry about those glucose and insulin peaks and valleys. Uh, so, you know, you, you definitely want to make sure that you avoid um, sweet feeds, you know, so thing, feeds that contain oats, corn, barley, because uh, those things are going to be very starchy uh, and very sugary. Okay. So, you know, definitely start with small amounts. Um, and when I say small, you know, think a quarter of a pound twice a day. Okay. And then slowly increase that, you know, every three to five days by another quarter of a pound, okay, until 
you reach the amount that is actually recommended by the particular feed that you're using on the feed tag, okay? So I guess that's another point is not all feeds are created equal. So some feeds are gonna have a much higher feeding rate than others. So make sure that you are uh, looking at the feed tag and then basing those feeding rates off of what that uh, manufacturer recommends, okay? So it's easy enough, you can go get, you know, like a fish scale that has the little hook that hangs where you can hang a bucket, tear the scale, put a scoop of feed in there and see how much your scoop weighs. Um, you can also use little kitchen scales that you can get, um, you know, out of the kitchen department at a grocery store or, you know, Walmart, Target, something like that. Um, you know, I think expectations need to be realistic when you're dealing with um, a starved horse. So in general, um, I expect it to take, you know, at least five, six, seven months for a horse to kind of regain and get back to a normal healthy body weight. Okay, so again, this is not a sprint, this is a marathon, and we want to do this in the most healthy way possible for that horse. Um, so, so don't expect it to happen overnight. And, and it's okay if it doesn't happen overnight. Okay. So let's say um, you have a horse that has really poor teeth condition. Okay. Um, when you're looking for your feed, use the same concepts about, you know, the quarter of a pound and increase slowly. Um, just use those, you know, use, you can use a soaked hay pellet uh, in lieu of the long stem forage. Um, so take all of those feeding rates for the hay and just sub instead of hay, do soaked pellets. Okay. So you can do, you know, soaked um, alfalfa Timothy pellets. They've got, you know, lots of options out there um, that can be used. And so basically do that until the horse is healthy enough to actually have um, a dental workup done. And then from there, you can determine whether it makes sense um, to transition that horse onto some long stem forage. Or, I mean, it, he may be in a situation where he's going to have to be on a hay pellet uh, for the rest of his life. So, um, you know, a lot of times a starved horse is going to have a list of, you know, other issues that you're going to have to address in addition to putting weight on that horse. So just keep in mind, I mean, the horse has undergone just absolute, you know, extreme amounts of stress, you know, so physiologically, um, he's, he's got, he's been dealing with a lot. Okay. So each of those factors are going to, I mean, it can cause even more stress. So basically think about it like this. Um, you know, you, you've got to get hooves done. Okay. So likely the hooves are going to be overgrown. They're going to need frequent farrier attention. They're going to be, need to be trimmed. They're going to need to be reshaped. I mean, you can't just go in there and all in one whack, get that horse's feet right back to where he needs to be. Um, if he's in a, in a, in an extreme situation. Okay. So be patient, you know, work with your farrier through that. Um, same thing with teeth. Okay. So the teeth have to be in, uh, addressed, um, you know, poor dentition or, or, you know, poor, um, Mal, you know, malalignment of the teeth, etc. those have direct impacts on weight gain, okay? So if the horse is still extremely malnourished and weak, um, the sedation that you need to use in order to do a proper dental float uh, could actually be really dangerous to that horse, okay? So in that situation, you need to postpone that dental exam until the horse can actually withstand that sedation safely. So, you know, 
as badly as you want to get the horse's teeth done, you know, you may have to wait one, two, three months uh, before you have that horse into a place where he can physically withstand the sedation and the stress, honestly, of having his teeth floated. Um, and then, you know, of course, deworming is something that, that you're going to need to do, but work with your veterinarian. Um, the veterinarian will perform a fecal test first, um, and then based on that fecal test and based on the horse's living conditions, et cetera, um, your veterinarian will help you decide on the best uh, deworming protocol. Okay, so certainly, you know, take their guidance when it comes to that. Um, and then while, you know, while you're on the topic of deworming with your veterinarian, make sure that you discuss um, the appropriate uh, vaccination protocol. Okay, so vaccines are really important. Um, but again, those may need to be postponed until the horse is in just a little bit uh, better condition to tolerate them. So um, I guess in closing, I just want to say, you know, if, if you need some help figuring out how to feed your horse, um, Blue Bonnet Feeds and Stride Animal Health both offer free nutritional consults. Okay, so if you go to either of the websites, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, bluebonnetfeeds.com, or strideanimalhealth.com, um, there's a contact page, and then there's also a nutrition consult tab. And so if you submit to either of those places, um, you can get in touch with a nutrition consult that can kind of help guide you through this process of uh, refeeding this starved horse. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Feed Room Chemist. If you like what you hear, be sure to share with your friends, post to social media, or give us a review. And as Winston Churchill used to say, no hour of life is wasted that is spent in the saddle. So go saddle up.